Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Face coverings. Jarofsky Show Thanksgiving Day Special is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and the Chicago Reader. Vinny J, take it away. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. As you listen to this, it's Thanksgiving morning. You're up early and you're unwrapping your presents. Wait, wrong holiday. Oh, let's just... uh... Sorry, it's where my brain went. Anyway, you're getting ready. You're stuffing the turkey, uh, but you're listening to the Ben Jarofsky Show because what else do you do? You're a lefty in the city of Chicago, and where else are you going to turn? So anyway, but this is kind of like a mix. This is like a bonus episode where I reveal that the real date that we're having this interview is not the date you're hearing this. So the real date is Thursday, November 18th, 2021. And the headline, my beloved bright one, home delivered as always. And I will now show my guest the newspaper. They think I'm kidding when I say I'm actually have the bright one, my beloved bright one. Mayor demands Mia Copa. And uh, Dennis and I have said many times that the Chicago Sun-Times has lost its freaking mind when it comes to these puns. Wait, is it pronounced Copa or Coppa? It's Coppa, right? Yeah. I, right? <laughs> I think our distinguished guest already told us. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, our distinguished guest, who uh, is quite an expert on pronunciation, uh, has told us he's definitely, he definitely does not think it's Coppa. Because it's a entity designed to investigate allegations about police misconduct. So, yes, it wouldn't be COPPA. Anyway, uh, so Mia COPPA, it's about uh, Lightfoot wants her pick to run police accountability panel to apologize for recommending three-day suspension for slain CPD officer Ella French. Uh, Dennis and I have a lot to say that tomorrow when we do uh, uh, Oh, What a Week, which is kind of funny because... That will happen after what we converse about today, even though you'll hear that after what we converse about. Yeah, my head hurts. Whoa. What's going on? <laughs> what are you talking about? Wait, wait, wait anyway, what's going on? I don't know. Uh, anyway, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. We've been talking about this show for a long time. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Mike Girardi. And I am a proud member of the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 399. And I am an amateur songwriter, uh, singer, guitar player, piano player, and philosopher. Yes, all those things together. And he uh, is the songwriter-singer, or is it singer-songwriter, who has contributed... I want to say, I'm doing this off the top of my head, Mike, 14 songs yep. to the Ben Jarofsky show. Right. Uh, thank God you don't have a lawyer coming after us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we play them all the time. Uh, and I pound for pound, I always say he's the Neil Young of Chicago because he's got these angry licks that come out of nowhere on his guitar, uh, these stinging guitar, and then these like, like Southern. Mike, do you know so you're a young guy? Uh, do you know Southern Man? Yeah, yeah. Neil, you you remind me of Neil Young and Southern Man and some of your uh, your angry rock songs. Uh, and um, a good friend of the show. So thank you. First of all, happy Thanksgiving to you, even though it's not Thanksgiving we do this. Happy Thanksgiving to your entire family. And on behalf of Dennis, I'd like to say, and myself, thank you, thank you, thank you for 14 songs just unbelievable generosity on your part sharing them with us and we get to play them and look really cool so you're really talented and we uh dennis and i both appreciate uh what you do for us so thank you thank you thank you thank you mike girardi oh thank you and happy thanksgiving to you guys too all right so uh 
I, if I were analyzing uh, Mike Girardi's songbook, and we're going to have him play three songs today, uh, acoustic, not so you won't get the stinging Neil Young guitar. Uh, I would say, I would say, what would the word be? Uh, irreverent. Uh, I would say, I wouldn't say cynical. I would say skeptical. Uh, you remind me of a much younger version of myself, uh, except I can't sing or play the guitar and I can't write songs. So why don't you give us a little background about uh, where you grew up, what influenced you that helped turn you into who you are today? Uh, well, I grew up in uh, Orland Park in the southwest suburbs and um, how I, geez, I, I mean, with music, you know, when I was 15, I saw U2 at Soldier Field and I had like this aha kind of moment where I was just like, wow, that's what I want to do. And that's never really gone away. So I'm almost 40 and uh, I've been playing guitar and writing songs for about that long. Um, I had a band when I was in high school and college, but you know, after that, it kind of fizzled out. I had some other things I tried to get started on. Nothing ever really took off, and it just kind of became a, a thing that I do uh, on my own time and for myself. And uh, I went to uh, Columbia College downtown for audio. And uh, after college, I worked uh, for a couple of companies that did like uh, like. Uh, home theater, home theater systems, basically stuff like that. Uh, mostly it was like mansions in the North shore. And, uh, I did not enjoy that job. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, ended up, you know, going into something completely different. And, uh, and then I guess just a year and a half ago, I, I mean, I never put down the guitar. I was still writing songs for all these years, but yeah, there was just something about, when uh, everything shut down and, uh, you know, the whole country lost our collective minds. Um, and then, you know, just listening to your show every day, just something clicked. And I just got real inspired. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was, I was listening to your show one day. And at the end of the show, I was reading a physical copy of the sun times in my kitchen behind me here. And I saved the editorial page for the end because it'll make me too angry to finish the newspaper. And, uh, it was right around the time that I, I think it was, uh, Bernie's not out, but he should be get out of the way. And, uh, everybody's got to get behind Joe Biden because the, the only, you know, bad thing that has ever happened in this country is Donald Trump was elected president and he's really mean. So like, <laughs> and I read this thing and I was just so mad and I just closed it and I tossed it on my kitchen counter and I just said out loud to myself, that's the story from the editorial board. And I, I just was like, whoa, hang on. And I grabbed the piece of paper and I wrote that down. And then I, uh, then I wrote down, we heard what you want to do. Now we'll tell you what's best for you. Yeah. I was like, something's happening here. <laughs> and then well, I, went, I uh, that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, we play it, uh, all the time. It's my favorite. That's one. That's the Neil Young song. Cause you're angry. Uh, and before we uh, get you to play it and talk about it, uh, because I share many of your sentiments about editorial boards. Uh, it's almost like they're like, talking down to us we're children and uh they're our adults and they're telling us you know this is going to be really difficult for you to uh understand but this is what you're going to have to do even though you don't want to do it because it's best for you and it's really annoying and uh i'm surprised that i found somebody else mike who reads editorials everybody makes fun of me oh you actually read that stuff i go well yeah i mean we're supposed to uh but you're, I want to go back just a little bit to your background uh, because at least the songs you write, you come at it from a leftist perspective. And I would not think of Orland Park as a bastion of leftihood. So 
are you a lefty or is it just a reverence on your part in these particular songs? Do you have no political ideology? Talk a little bit about your political ideology. That's a good question because uh, I don't, I would never tell somebody I'm a leftist. <laughs> That's just not something, I don't know, where I grew up, nobody would ever say that. But um, I, I think what it is, is I'm kind of not much of a lefty in like the culture wars kind of stuff, but I'm not like a right winger foaming at the mouth like all these people are nowadays. I don't get it. I think that it's bananas how politics has become, you know, just about the culture wars. And, you know, people don't agree about hard questions about like each other and like, you know, who, who people are and what, what you should tolerate and accept about other people. I don't have any answers to that. I don't know. I don't think it's okay to just say this person just has the right. And then this person is foaming at the mouth and we just hope that they don't shoot them. I, I don't have any answers to this kind of stuff, but what I pay attention to, I think is that how politics used to be a lot more about class and economics. And it seems like that's become uh something that you don't want to talk about and we act like uh we act like it's history and we close the book on it and we you know because everything is just problems that need to be solved and so you put all these smart people like Rahm Emanuel he's smart you're not right (laughs) and uh fixer you need a good guy like you'd always got to find some hero like uh you know a Forrest Claypool type And that's, we just have to, we're at the mercy of these benevolent geniuses who are going to fix our problems and they only have solutions that are, you know, high profit and, uh, and then it doesn't work. And then that person gets fired and then it's, it's just, you know, and it's Lori Lightfoot as mayor, you know, it's, um, I, 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 uh, I just laugh at it all. And that's why I love your show because Nowadays, people are like, there's a line, you're on this side of it, or you're on that side of it. And like, nobody's really doing the kind of stuff that like the Daily Show used to do, where, you know, Jon Stewart would just rip Democrats apart, <laughs> just tear them apart. Yeah. And, you know, and it was, he was right to. And there's this sense of like, now if you do that, you're, you might as well put on the MAGA hat. And uh, so it's, it's refreshing to, to listen to your show and you know, you're, you're holding somebody like Joe Biden accountable for saying something that's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Dennis is going to play a soundbite of it every day because he absolutely should. But what's also awesome is when, cause you got to make a mockery of it. You know, it, it, it's it's literally ridiculous. It's worthy of ridicule. You have to mock it. And, but then even when there are people who you're a big fan of and you're on their side and you're, you're hoping that they're going to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish and they're fighting for the right people and every, everything, there's someone like Jesse Sharkey. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. You said it. You know, Dennis didn't say it. Sharky said it. He's out there on the street. I understand. It's it's chaos. There's a truck going by, but he babbled for 20 seconds. Right now, uh, uh, and he's going to get a soundbite of that, and it's going to get dropped. And it's going to get dropped every day because it should, because it's hilarious. And you don't care about his feelings because, like, you care about what's actually important. You know, what, what you, you support the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, you don't need to worry about, like, helping this person not embarrass themselves. And they miss- <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. None of that stuff matters. So that's why I love your show. And nothing, it was like rock bottom for the last year and a half in politics in this country. Just absolute rock bottom. And so I think I could on behalf of all the listeners, especially the live streamers, <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky show was like a rock, especially like in, in the spring and summer when everything was so crazy and every week everything is changing and we don't even know how to like interpret the world around us. And, 
you know, everything is, it's like the world is on fire. And then you got these liberals who are like, everything's going to be okay. Just put your mask on. And like, <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep wearing my mask. It's, it's leopard print. And like, it's so crazy. And, and then I'm, I'm like, am I crazy? How, how come everything is now impossible? And this is not a good solution. And like Lori Lightfoot yelling at that kid who's playing basketball, staying out of trouble. Yeah, and she tells him go home, and she yells it. And and what the, that that kid, that kid was like, uh, he's he's got a future in politics. What he just he just yelled there. He said, "You go home." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? It was right. Like that's it. That's all you got for us. Go home for how long? How long for a year and a half? Yeah. You know? And so then <laughs> no, and so that didn't happen. And then talks about well, you know. Everybody had one solution, and it was go home, and go home didn't work. So now let's put on our masks, and oh, but now you got these guys who they don't want to wear a mask, and so they brought guns instead, and like it's just so insane. And uh, so the ability to just laugh at it, you know, every day is I realize very important, and I appreciate it, and I know that all the listeners do. Uh, 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 right thank on. you, man. I re- that was a great riff. Listen to the mic there talking about 2020, how insane it was. Uh, but uh, the part that Dennis and I both pick up on, and this is the irreverence, I think, uh, Mike, is this the utter inconsistency of the messaging from and I'm going to just stick with the liberals or the Democrats. Uh, I mean, the other side is just insane. We'll just put them to the side for the moment. But the utter inconsistency of the other side, like Dennis was the one who pointed this out to me. Like the pandemic was hitting and they didn't want to reschedule the primary. Remember this, D? They didn't want to reschedule the Demo- the primary because it would have been too inconvenient. They wanted to get that out of the way and they wanted to get Biden all those uh, votes. So they're saying wear a mask. It's very dangerous. Don't go anywhere. Oh, by the way, you have an obligation as a citizen. Vote! <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that kicked it off. That was like, okay. That was like the okay. beginning of it. You know, and uh, and then, of course, uh, to me, the ultimate was when uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, th- threw that staged hissy fit about uh, people on the lakefront. When it was that first nice day in spring? I, I still haven't gotten over that one. Uh, and now we, of course, know that the being outside is the least, it's the most protected place. So the kid playing basketball, Mike, was actually doing the right thing. He was outside. Yes. <laughs> got- he literally knew better than she did. Yes. Uh, so anyway, all right. So uh, you, it, I would say, uh, Dennis, that his response, which I loved his response, made me feel really good. But I think it constituted a little bit of a duck and a dodge in my question, as we say in the Benderowski show. So let me go back and rephrase the question. Uh, so when you were a kid, how about I do it this way? When you were a kid, did you have any political leanings or any? Were you utterly oblivious to politics? Uh, were you the kind of kid who knew, let's see, so you're roughly 40. So your first, like, did you know, like, Clinton was running against uh, Bush or okay. Dole? Did you follow that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I remember being little, learning that the president is a man named Ronald Reagan, and everybody loves him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you didn't grow up around me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, and, and so then I remember learning that now there's a new president and it's like, Oh no, what happened to the old one and learn about elections. And, and now it's a man named George Bush. Oh, okay. And then I remember the 92 election. And, uh, I remember developing my first, uh, strong political opinion. I was very offended that I was learning all of this about the election and politics. I was, I would have been, uh, I, I would have been eight, I think, eight years old. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I was, I was 10. Yeah, I was 10. Eat your heart out, Dan Biss. <laughs> um, I was 10. So you hear grownups talking. We learn the really, you know, kind of like a watered down, safe version of everything at school. And, uh, and the, the, the story that I heard the tale that was told at the time is 
what you say about it, and I haven't heard it since, since I was 10 years old, and that is George Bush lost that election because Ross Perot ran and stole votes from him, and it's the only reason that this guy, Bill Clinton, won, and uh, and everybody was not very happy about Bill Clinton. I, I think for the wrong reasons, but uh, that was sort of my first taste of seeing like, oh, there's something to this. This isn't just something where everybody celebrates the, the new president and this is how this really works. Yeah. I, um, what a memory to have that is your first memory. Good God. Uh, utter mediocrity. Uh, the point I always make when I say that, uh, is that Bill Clinton was victorious in 1992 and 1996, uh, mostly be- in my humble opinion, because Ross Perot, as you pointed out, was on the uh, the ballot, uh, uh, siphoning votes away from George Bush and then uh, Bob Dole. Without Ross Perot on the ballot, Clinton would have lost. And yet Democrats emerged from that election saying, Bill Clinton has figured out what you have to do to get elected president. And the first thing you have to do is betray every single Democratic ideal that you supposedly have and move to the center, move to the right is where you're moving and shut up lefties like Ben. Okay. And that's the lesson they took. And I'm like, you guys did a win because you had some freaking great vision of how to appeal to people in Orland park. You won because a sizable number of people in Orland park, instead of voting for George Bush voted for Ross Perot. You know what I'm saying, Mike? So that's, (laughs) I wouldn't let Orland park off that easy. Okay. <laughs> well, I just use it as an example. Uh, all right. Um, enough talking. Let's hear some singing. Uh, I know you have your guitar uh, handy. And uh, there were three songs that we selected in our pre-show. Den- did you know that Mike and I did a pre-show planning? Dennis is well aware. You're pre- kidding. Pre-show. Wow. <laughs> How can I get one of those? <laughs> It's a lot of preparation on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, by the way, uh, Dennis, I don't know if you noticed while Mike is preparing himself, the little uh, mention he made of the live stream. Mike has already spoken up on behalf of live stream listeners. And he, uh, I think he said we threw them under the bus. I think it's exactly what he said. Oh, something no. Along those. Oh, no. <laughs> I think a song is coming called Under the I gotta, Bus. I got to get uh, that live stream figured out. My, the, yeah, we have it. Mike, in our defense, if you saw the bootleg operation, we had setting up the live stream you'd be a little more appreciative <laughs> of where we are right now just saying this is not exactly uh cnn here uh <laughs> duct tape yeah a lot of duct tape so all right why don't you tell us what song you're gonna sing give us a little introduction all right well i know uh you said that you liked that uh one from not too long ago called the old neighborhood um And this is a song that basically is uh, kind of about growing up in a place like Oron Park where nobody is from there. And just a few years before you moved in and your house was built, it was farmland. And everybody there is from the south side of the city of Chicago. And they all wanted to come here. But all they talk about is the old neighborhood. Oh, I know that guy from the old neighborhood. Oh, yeah, we used to go to that place in the old neighborhood. It's all they talk about. And it's like, well, why'd you come to the new neighborhood then? And that was that was a difficult thing to try to learn when I was a kid. And I heard some stories. Some were myths. Uh, some were uh, a little nasty. Um, you know, the one that I heard the most in my family was uh, mostly about uh, the blockbusters who uh, who really instigated things. And, you know, I do think there is a lot of truth about uh, these were like really, like I say in the song, tight-knit communities, and they were torn apart. They tore themselves apart. They allowed other people's consumer demand in the housing market to tear their communities apart. And uh, some people did some things that were... Uh, good you know their heart was in the right place to try to prevent it like beverly where i live now uh some places they 
did it a way that was really wrong and that it worked for what they wanted, but it was really nasty. Like, I don't know, the entire north side of the city. And uh, so this, uh, this song is just, it's about the old neighborhood and uh, the mixed messages. Radio. Make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Not sure what that means, but I think he liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Biden likes it, and uh, those are the words he wants you to play for the kids. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, they gave it all away uh, for less than they paid when somebody said, "Get out before it's too late." Yes, indeed. Uh, you're talking about pretty much the entire south side of Chicago uh, from Halstead at one point all the way to the city line. So, um, 
I urge anybody, I, I urge everybody who's studying sociology in the city of Chicago to re- listen to that song and then go read the history about demographic changes and racial changes uh, that started taking place, uh, Mike, 20 years before you were born. Um, so that's a, that's a classic. Uh what neighborhood are, is the old neighborhood for you? I know you you grew up uh, in the suburbs, but uh, what, what what's the old neighborhood that your parents came from? Uh, well, so my dad doesn't count because he's from New York. He grew up in Brooklyn, and uh, oh. and then on my mom's side, it, it's funny because I'll say the names and you won't know what I'm talking about because uh, you know you'll you'll look at a map. And like, that's not what anybody called it there, <laughs> you know, and like yeah. now they're, they're neighborhoods like that. And, you know, they're all the parishes. And I always heard that even the Protestants who lived in the neighborhood would still call <laughs> it by the parish name. It was that ingrained. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, my, my mom grew up in, as everybody calls it, Tommy Moore, which was St. Thomas Moore Parish. And if you say, oh, I'm looking at this map, is that Wrightwood? They'll be like, I don't know. They'll be like, I I think that was the name of the library branch. So, like, you know, whatever. I don't know. It was St. Thomas More. And uh, she moved there when she was a kid. And before that, uh, she lived in a two-flat where my grandma grew up in Visitation, which is kind of where Back of the Yards meets Englewood, like Garfield and Halstead. And uh, it's sad because, uh, you know, the – the two flat is gone. Yeah. Uh, half of the two flats on that block, uh, the city tore them down. And, uh, you know, when, when we talk about creating housing for, for people and there are literally people who are homeless and the city thought it would be a good idea to tear down my, uh, my great grandmother's two flat Mm-hmm. And that uh, my, you know, she was able to stay in after my great grandfather died young. And my mom always said that when people would talk politics in the family, because they're Irish. So, you know, of course, they're always doing that. And anybody would start to, you know, talk a little conservative. And she would say, don't you say a bad thing about FDR. That man saved my house. <laughs> oh, so there's some new, new deal Democrats in your family. Uh, that's where you get it. That that's where you get it. <laughs> uh, so the Girardi is that Italian? Yeah. So your dad's from Brooklyn, an right. Italian guy from Brooklyn. Wow, he found his way to Chicago. Yeah, he was. Uh, my parents went to Loyola. That's where they met at Loyola. I see. Actually, my parents know more about uh, you know kind of your neck of the woods than I do. You could talk shop with them about the uh, streets and and restaurants and stuff like that. On the north side, you mean? Oh, yeah, they're nostalgic when they talk about Rogers Park in that area, you know, probably even a little bit of, you know, Evanston. So uh, I, ETH. I don't know nothing about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Evanston is where I went to high school, Evanston High School. I was a proud graduate of Evanston High School. Everybody can tell because I'm so good at math. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I love... Uh, world's greatest newspaper. And uh, Dennis and I talk about it. I always say, uh, it reminds me of Kinks. And then uh, you were the one who corrected me in the pronunciation of Ray Davies' name. It's Davis. Okay. <laughs> Uh, even though it's spelled D-A-V-I-E-S, and he, of course, is the lead singer and the writer uh, for the Kinks. I don't know if you've ever, well, you obviously listened to the Kinks because you knew who Ray Davis was. Uh, I don't know if you realize how much World's Greatest Newspaper is inspired by the Kinks, even if it's like subconsciously, but um, it is. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about World's Greatest Newspaper, and then uh, uh, if you would be so kind, sing it for us. Okay, so, I mean, do people know nowadays that it's WGN, that that's what WGN stands for? Or does, like, nobody know that anymore? Uh, it could be one yeah. of those things. 40 years is sort of the, the benchmark for that. So if you're under 40, you may not know that. If you're over 40, you probably know it. Another millennial problem. Yes. Right? <laughs> Another <laughs> millennial problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we could talk about that some other time, how you're – how uh, you, you've got some real 
you've got some real silly ideas about uh, what millennials are like. I'm lost in a world where millennials are baffling <laughs> to me at the same time they're leading me. They're leading me. And plus, he ain't so with me of, every day, so it's, it's kind of jaded, you know? <laughs> He's the oldest millennial, yeah. Mike. Dennis? He's not like any millennial I've ever seen. He's, although he is kind of good with the computers and stuff, so that's millennialistic of him. But other than that, he thinks he's he acts like an old guy. Uh, but anyway, I would say that if you're over the age of forty, know what uh, WGN stands for: World's Greatest Newspaper. Yes. Okay, so I'll be forty in like two weeks. So somehow I know this, and uh, so I grew up, you know, listening to News Radio seventy eight. Well, what's that? WBBM. World's best battery maker, right? W WLS was uh, yeah, some battery company that doesn't exist anymore. Didn't know that. WLS was world's largest store, Sears, and uh, I, I forget. I think there was another one like that, but um, but yeah, I mean, so world's greatest newspaper—that's the slogan, right, for the Tribune. Mm-hmm. And uh, so where I grew up, uh we didn't read that garbage and I still don't. Um, that's, you know, my dad's a little, my dad gets it on Sundays or something, but we don't need to talk about that. So we, we read the South town economist. That was our newspaper. And, uh, then it became the daily South town. And, but people would still in typical fashion, Chicago, people still call it the South town economist, even though it hasn't been that forever. And, uh, so, I remember the the box that it would be in. You put the quarter in at the end of my block and, you know, pull out one newspaper or maybe 15, you know, and uh, and it said on the side, uh, people up north just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) We love that. And uh, (laughs) and so, you know, the Tribune is world's greatest newspaper. So this was a subtle little, uh, you know, way of not naming the Chicago Tribune, even though I guess I just did. Um, but this is basically and, and this. I wrote this right after the whole thing happened with uh, your buddy. Um, the other podcast I listened to, uh, John Cass. Oh, J- jump shot Johnny Cash. Yeah. Not to be mixed up with Johnny Cash, the great singer songwriter that Johnny yeah. Cass. Go ahead. I, I, Right after I'm done with you, I, I'm doing an appearance on his podcast, too. <laughs> uh, somehow I doubt that, but go on. <laughs> so, uh, that had just happened where they did the whole thing where they said, well, you know, our silly readers seem to be having a difficult time. You know, again, not everybody can be as smart as this class of people who we need to run things. You know, the people sitting around that dinner table in that movie City So Real. You know, those yeah. are people who know who know what to do in all of this stuff. But people just can't figure things out. They need some help, special help. And so we need to completely rearrange the way the newspaper's laid out so people understand the uh, difference between fact and opinion even though everybody did understand that in school when they were kids, but we screwed up everybody by constantly putting our opinion into, you know, the factual reporting uh, as if they don't clearly state that they're a conservative newspaper that was like against the new deal when like nobody was, you know, that's their legacy. And like, they never distanced themselves from that legacy and changed. That's what it is. That's what it still is. And so their opinion section, you know, is, uh, I guess, apropos in that newspaper. And uh, but they were getting flack. Right. They were getting that uh, that uh, Noam Chomsky uh, uh, manufacturing consent, that whole thing about how flack works. Right. They were getting it. They, they got to do something about this. So they take their popular columnists and they move them to another page and then they lie about why they did it. You know, that that's it. And. But they're still going to have them say crazy stuff. They're still going to have them say that, like, you know, maybe if you believe that, like, a global cabal of of Jewish people uh, are, you know, I what, what is it again? Kidnapping and drinking the blood of 
babies or so, whatever it is. Whatever but, it is today. Like, yeah, go ahead. You know, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're not crazy. And so like it, it was just, it, it needed to be mocked and uh, I needed to be the one to mock it. So that's world's greatest newspaper. That song was like it was written for me, and I'll tell you why. 
uh, Michael Girardi. First of all, why do I keep picking it up now is my refrain that I've been singing since the 1980s because I've been buying that freaking newspaper since the 1980s. And everything's, uh, Dennis, Yeah, I, I think you really have to be a kid who grew up in Chicago to appreciate that song because the way the Tribune worked, it was WGN. So that's like the, you know, that's the corporate entity. Uh, the Tribune, I think, owned WGN. And WGN, the TV station, Channel 9, was so benign. They have, like, Bozo the Clown. They have cartoons. They have Garfield Goose. They got – it's friendly. It's smiling. They got Jack Brickhouse doing the Cubs games. You know, it's so friendly and nice and just stay – it's just so apolitical, so middle America. And the whole thing is propping up this newspaper that's so freaking vile, so anti-labor, so anti-absolutely everything you would want to believe in that printed the police lies about the killing of Fred Hampton on the front page is an actual fact. And all these little kids like young baby Mikey Girardi are watching Channel 9 and they go, oh, Garfield Goose. Uh, I just love that song, Mike, because you really, I don't know, you just... You sum it all up there. And then why do I pick, which seems to be aimed at me. Why do I keep picking it up? Anyway, I love that song. So funny, song, funny quick story about that. If we have time. Oh, it's the um, Ben Jarofsky show. So, <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> as far as like how I write songs, mm -hmm. I like write songs in a panic and I have no idea what I'm, doing. I've been doing it for, I don't know, 20 something years and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I knew I had something there, but I didn't have it completed. And I didn't have a chorus. I just had banging on two guitars. I didn't have any words. The, why do I keep picking it up now? I didn't have that. I didn't have a melody to sing it to. I had nothing, but I knew that the rest was something that I thought was good. And I'm like, I'm going to start recording this. And I just hope that somehow this just comes together. And so I was a little kind of bummed out as I was recording it, uh, which set the mood right. And I was just going to leave a space. And I usually like, I don't work hard. These vocals, like I, tr I do one take, I'll do it like three times. I'll pick the best one and that's it. I'm, I'm uh, kind of lazy with that. But so I had nothing but this space that I would step back from the mic from with my stupid little headphones on and just wait for it to come back into the next verse. And something just happened. And for some reason, while I was stepping back, all of a sudden I took a step forward to that mic and I just belted out that line. Why do I keep picking it up now to that melody? I didn't have that. It was like improvised as I recorded it. And it, be, it became, you know, that's the chorus to the song. And uh, it just came from out of nowhere. And it was like one of those kind of special moments when I've been like writing and recording these songs. And I'm like, I don't know, this is weird. Why am I even doing this yeah. again? <laughs> like, <laughs> these, these guys play these songs. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like keep, but like, why am I doing this? And it's hard to make time. I got all these little kids and stuff. And then like... And I love this song for that reason, because this kind of special moment that I'm always chasing, that I've been chasing since I was 15 in Soldier Field saying, that's what I want to do. Yeah. It, it happens and it's, it's a rush, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that like, it, it just makes everything worth it. And uh, also my wife has a very uh, refined taste in music so you know a lot of the like kind of 90s stuff that i you know was into and stuff she's uh she's a big dylan fan um she basically like her favorite songwriter is uh john prine you know she has very like uh you know she's even introduced me to like a lot of music that you know i probably should have already been familiar with and this was the one that when i finished recording it and i played it for her, she said mike this is really great and I was like, oh, this is, this is something <laughs> here. All right, I did it. I was, yeah. trying to, I was trying to get you to play it, and I was trying to get uh, my wife's uh, approval of it as, uh, as a music critic. And she's, you know, she's very supportive. She's my biggest fan, maybe my only fan. But um, <laughs> this was the one that she was, she was like, this is really great. So I don't know. I'm just really glad that this song happened. Uh, I'm I'm glad it happened too. Why uh, do I keep picking it up? Is um, whenever Dennis plays the song, 
I just start singing along because it just speaks to me. So, <laughs> and I still pick it up. And I, by the way, I can make an argument uh, that the tribute is less offensive now after the, all the cuts than it used to be because most of it is just AP that they're running on their the uh, the old what you just the riff you you gave to begin where they would uh, cloak uh, uh, their worldview with quote-unquote object, objective style of writing, you know what I mean? They, but they were really emanating, just emitting, excuse me, this right-wing view. Uh, that's not as much, that's not as prevalent in the Tribune since they kicked everybody out, and now they're just running AP copy. So I think they kicked out a lot of editors that were shaping that worldview. Uh, why do I keep picking it up now? I'm out of my mind, too. All right. Uh, we talked about editorial board. Let's close with editorial oh. board. Uh, and um, which c- probably uh, could be uh, what's what Dennis, what do you always say about Rom? Uh, I'm smart and you're not. He's smart. Uh, you're not. He was saying, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. 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 Take yeah. a chill. Well, Dennis film, invented that. That was Dennis's contribution. He would always go, we play uh, Rom Emanuel clip. He goes, and remember, people, when you listen to Mayor Rom, He's smart and you're not, okay? <laughs> that was the radio days. Yeah, the radio um, days. Wait, so is this the first time uh, you've played this acoustic? Yeah. Right on. You should do some st- stuff at the hideout. You were, you, were, I, you were at the hideout for that uh, trivia night. You should talk to Timmy Tutton and Katie that, Tutton. And, I think he's your connection, yeah. Ben. Talk to yeah. him. Yeah, hook me up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hook him up. I'll, I'll hook him up. Hold on one second. Like, yeah, Tim, I got, I got that next John Prine here, okay? <laughs> Uh, right. John Prine, by the way, tell your wife to listen to my, the interview with Mike Garino, a uh, great writer, Chicago writer, and uh, he writes for Washington Post a lot, but uh, obsessed with John Prine. And when John Prine died, that was very sad. That That's a very uh, COVID memory I have. He died of COVID. Yeah, his wife was angry. Yeah, and she should be. Uh, anyway, John Prine's a freaking genius. He's, and he said, and so I didn't know him, uh, Mike, but just interviews with him. He's so down to earth and yeah, for such a genius guy. Uh, all right. Uh, close with editorial board. A little, uh, you talked a little bit about it already. Uh, uh, anything else you want to say about it before you, uh, kick into it? Uh, I guess basically just, you know, I recorded this on a, I, I wrote and recorded it in like an evening uh, just kind of on a whim. It was just sort of like uh, an impulse, you know? And then in the middle of the night, I emailed it to Dennis because, I don't know, maybe they'd get a kick out of this. Maybe they'd even play it before the show starts one time. <laughs> and uh, so when you when you played it twice and you talked about it, and then you would play it like every day, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it had nothing to do with the fact that the pandemic had just started and all your advertisers bailed on you. <laughs> and, okay, part part true. What was who was the guy? Uh, uh, Manuel, the the piano. There was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> had a commercial that was literally for a guy who plays piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all of Jeff Manuel. Even the even the piano guy was like, "Fuck you, I'm out." <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I think the piano man business kind of went away there during the pandemic, right? Come on, man, it was hard to make a living. <laughs> oh, piano man abandoned us. Everybody abandoned us. We're in an attic, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, pandemic just put the hurt on us, man. Yeah, yeah. and and I mean, like, so it worked out for me. Yeah, well, I mean, besides you, well, yeah, it worked out for you. <laughs> Not to mention, of course, I'm I'm one of the people who like continued uh, working. You know, uh, not from home, but working at my workplace almost as if nothing had changed, just with a mask on and stuff like that, and which was weird. But um, you know, so yeah, I definitely uh, I got lucky with that, and I got lucky with this, and um, basically, had you not uh, embraced this song, the editorial board, so much, none of these other other songs would have ever happened. It's just so cool because it's so different from what I did since I was 16. I mean, these are not like the kind of songs that I wrote uh, until a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to my old stuff, you'd be like, okay. (laughs) Um, So I I found like a little, maybe like a niche here when it comes to the kind of songs I write. Um, 
there's no money to be made in it whatsoever. It's not a profitable niche, but, uh, you know, I, I got a good job and I'm able to do this, you know, for fun when I have time. And, uh, I've just been loving it for the last year and a half. So you said one time on the show, I think we're kind of like his muse. I think we've been, (laughs) and, uh, I mean, it was true. It's just, there's more material than I could possibly have time to work with. And I just got, I got on a roll with these songs and I just at some point I thought this has got to be an album like I got to be done at some point 14 songs now but I'm like no I don't want to stop I'm just I'm doing more you're not going to stop me so maybe someday it'll be an album yeah that'd be cool (laughs) and uh uh yeah no I uh the 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 uh I guess the only good thing that came out of COVID was you start writing songs for us. Uh, but put it that way. Uh, by the way, you talk about making money. You'll never make money uh, being a lefty. All right. Uh, you, you just take it from me. Okay. You're never going to make. I always tell my younger listeners, just sell out and betray all your ideals and values. Throw it all. You're going to, you want go, man, go, go show for MAGA. There's a lot more money in it. So anyway, Work in a kid jail. Yeah, work in a kid jail. Uh, we'll uh, talk. You weren't supposed to reveal that. You weren't <laughs> supposed to reveal that. Uh, by the way, uh, he says he's got a good job, a good union job. That's right. Union. Union support the Ben Jarofsky show. Let's not forget that. That's right. All right, Mike. Takes a sip of water and getting ready with the editorial board, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sick of it. Hey, Mike Bo, stop it. <laughs> What kind of guy you're playing songs for us? How rude. Yeah. Here. We empowered one person. <laughs> Try not to rock the boat. Don't want to give you all false hope. Candidate most likable is somehow not electable. That's the story from the editorial board. We like to save the world when it's under attack. But how you gonna pay for that? Ow! Tell you what's best for you. That's the story from the editorial board. A little tip for the working man. Your employers are all our friends. That's the story from the editorial board.
Um, r- right now, um, <laughs> Mr. Sharky loves that song. I think he was going to say something positive. He got interrupted. Hey, by the way, really, uh, that song in many ways uh, reminds me so much of the teacher strike of 2019. That was before the pandemic, right? D we were in the studio. We talked so much about the teacher strike because this is what got me going. Mike, the, uh, and you probably remember this, but the teachers went on strike, uh, to force the board of ed, force the mayor to commit money, literally commit money to hire more nurses. Yep. This is before the pandemic. And, the editorial board of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, they wrote an editorial, told them, shut up and take the money and go back to work. You're hurting the kids. Yeah, you're hurting the kids. The kids don't need nurses. They're not going to, they don't need nurses now. They're not going to need nurses in about, what was it, seven months, something yeah. like that. Uh, they're not going to need nurses next year when you got them all, you know, wearing masks and quarantining every other week. Oh, God. Anyway, so the line in that song that gets me every time I hear it and I wrote it down is, uh, we heard what you want to do. Now we'll tell you what's best for you. And that is just sums up the sometimes advice to the teachers. Shut up. Forget the nurses. Go back to the classroom. And the Tribune's no better, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Factor just they're worse. Anyway, uh, editorial board, uh, that serves you right, Mike, for re- actually reading an editorial, although I suspect you've never actually read an editorial, maybe one or two in your life. Uh, you oh, I, re- I, I wish that were the case. <laughs> you actually read them? You're, uh, there's another person to me. Uh, yeah, I'm a newspaper guy. Yeah. Uh, Mick Dumpke, good friend, is always, whenever I complain about it, editorial, he's like, why do you read them? <laughs> well, <laughs> you got to read the whole thing. You don't skip any of it. No, I, in fact, today, oh God, let's not even discuss how stupid the Tribune's editorial was today. Uh, the, the one about Kyle Rittenhouse, where they're trying to figure out a Oh, I don't know if I can. Uh, I did, you don't want, they're trying to figure out a way to, get around Kyle Rittenhouse situation without offending MAGA or non-MAGA. Do you get what I'm saying? Just trying to find someone to blame that's not going to piss off MAGA and not, and I'm watching them duck and dodge and dart. And I'm like, Oh man, just anyway, uh, Mike Girardi. They didn't say his, uh, his parents though. Right. Where was the mother? No, they not this time. Right. Whoa. That that's that's ladies and gentlemen, that is Mike Girardi. That right there, Dennis, I don't know if you heard him say that. That could be a song. When Adam Toledo got killed, the tribune was like, where are the parents? When uh Kyle, I, Kyle Rittenhouse goes out and kills two people and uh wounds a third, it, nobody says where are the parents. I think the mother it's not clear. Did she drive him? That seems to be one of those points, Mike. You know what I mean? Like, what was the mother's role in all? But one thing is for certain, the tribute is not asking where were the parents. Nope. All right, Mike, uh, thank you very much for taking the time and coming on and uh, singing the songs that you wrote. Uh, and thank you for writing those songs. Um and for entertaining everybody on Thanksgiving, they're, uh, as you would put it, they're basting their turkeys as, as we speak. <laughs> they're preparing their stuffing. It's going to be a delicious Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, is I always ask guests if there's, I learned this from Dennis, by the way, uh, is there a place they can go to to hear your music? Uh, where's the Michael Girardi, um, the songs to be found? So uh, I probably should have double-checked that it's still up before I say it, but if you go to MikeGirardi.com, it takes you to my Bandcamp page, uh, and that's where I have all these songs on there. Uh, you're not actually able to download them. You're able to stream them on there. And, you know, I did that because I never really – these were kind of like rough mixes, and, you know, it's not mastered, and uh, so I've been trying to figure that out still, you know, but – that's why I have kind of the itch to make an album so I could put it on Spotify and things like that. If you check out music streaming things like Spotify and you type my name in there, Mike Girardi, G E R A R D I, 
you'll find stuff that you probably won't like because it's not like this at all. That's <laughs> uh, my old stuff. And uh, I'm working on, you know, maybe maybe getting my this stuff on there. But, uh, yeah, MikeGirardi.com will take you to whatever I've got. Yeah, the site's still working, too. I'm, I'm on it right now. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Mike Girardi, thank you very much. I want you and your family to have a happy Thanksgiving, a safe Thanksgiving. Uh, and you've heard my show. Uh, I don't know if you could do it. Could you close out a show? Have you heard it enough to know how, how I close out a show? I say I thank Michael Girardi, and then I thank somebody else. When my daughter was potty training, yeah, <laughs> and she would do it, and and this was when you were still on AM radio, okay, and you would do it when you went to break, not at the end of the show, because you'd end up saying we'll be right back. But um, it, I've been with you from the beginning, if yeah. I'm not proving that. So I, I'd be sitting on the bathtub, and when she'd do it, I would give her a high five, and I would say, "Let me tell you something, that Daddy." And mommy and Mikey, my this my son, all agree on. You did a great job. Give yourself a ring. And then my daughter would say, Take ye out of petty tash. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Take it out of petty cash. So I just did that, but the real one I won't take it away from you. All right. Very good. Uh, uh, thank you very much, Michael Girardi. Thank you very much, Michael Girardi's, uh, Girardi's wife, s- children, dog, guitar, and everybody else in that family. And I think all of you will agree. Wait, I screwed it up. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Michael Girardi and his family will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D., Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Take care, everybody.